Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So this chapter of the Dhammapada is the Kodavaga, uh, which refers to abandoning anger. Um, the Buddha's uh, specific treatment of this one emotion um, should not be seen as a narrow view because uh, anger and its uh, all of its different forms uh, is really related to not getting what we want in this moment. We're frustrated because something or someone, including ourselves, uh, must be different for me to be happy or to survive in this moment. Um, and I think every one of us would agree that uh, we've all harmed people from anger. And I'm not saying necessarily but that we struck people because we're angry, but we've all said things that we regret. Um, and so it's that type of... Um, internal conflict that the Buddha is addressing here with anger, but it really could be any emotion uh, that takes us, takes us out of our body and takes us away from what's actually occurring. Um, and the Buddha also addresses this directly to anatta or, or the misunderstanding of self and this, this self-referential grasping after that arises from uh, and simply indulging in our uh, in our anger and not recognizing where it comes from. In other words, and uh, to, to, just to take that a step further, anger isn't bad. If we get angry, we're not bad people. We're simply stuck in conceit or self-referential views. And the Buddha's very. I mean, even twenty six hundred years later, we can hear the Buddha's words saying, "It's not bad to be angry. It's simply hurtful to you, and it's a recognition that." you're off the mark. You're not practicing the Dhamma. So again, the Buddha allows us to be a human being and basically teaches us how to be a real human being whose mind isn't rooted in a, uh, a conflict-free quality that is never prone to anger. The Buddha's words. Abandon anger and its root, conceit, or eye-making. Go beyond greed, aversion, and deluded thinking, the three defilements that arise in every human being from misunderstanding Four Noble Truths. When clinging, let me preface this by saying, uh, the Pali word for self-identification with form is namarupa, which means name and form. It means self-identification with this form. And as we understand the Buddha's Dhamma, form is the first clinging aggregate that we use to establish suffering in this world and in this mind that's locked in this body. When clinging to name and form is abandoned completely, no stress or suffering arises. That's the Dhamma. That's a complete Dhamma <clears throat> teaching right there. Of course, it doesn't tell us how to do that, but that's what the rest of these teachings are for. I'm going to read it again. When, I'm going to say it this way, too. When clinging to self-referential views is abandoned completely, no stress or suffering arises. That's a remarkable promise, isn't it? And we've all experienced that. Every one of us has said that. And it's, we talk about this in class, and one of the reasons why we have our discussions is to talk about just that point, how we're diminishing our own suffering through the development of our individual Dhamma practice. The Buddha continues. A strong charioteer controls their charge 
I'm a charioteer. A strong charioteer, chariot driver, controls their charge. As a disciple, sorry, a strong charioteer controls their charge, a disciple controls anger as anger arises, meaning that's what we do. Again, the Buddha is not saying that the wise disciple is free of anger and never has it. He says that we're a human being, but the wise disciple knows how to control it. How do we control it with a well-concentrated mind that doesn't, that interrupts that process from anger arising to anger expressing? This is the true charioteer. Others only hold tight to the reins. Overcome anger by being free of anger. In other words, get rid of the conditions that generate anger. Ignorance of four noble truths. Overcome evil by skillful behavior. How do we know what skillful behavior is? It's taught as right speech, right action, and right livelihood. And they're all, uh, it's, all, it's taught in human terms. Everybody can align with right speech, right action, right livelihood. We don't need to be superhuman or super good to simply engage in this practice. Overcome miserliness with generosity. Overcome lies rooted in ignorance with four noble truths. So the Buddha is not insisting that we be honest all the time without giving us a reason to understand our dishonesty. Where does it come from? because he knows that's fruitless and it's foolish. It's no good to tell someone to act differently when you don't teach them why they're acting the way they are. And the Buddha gave us a a full path so that we could learn the cause of our own behavior and so that we can change our behavior by rooting out the cause, ignorance of Four Noble Truths. We're not doing it so that we can get to heaven. We're not doing it to be good human beings. We're not doing it to be woke or unwoke or anything else. In fact, we're doing it for the most self-serving reason of all, to get rid of manufactured, fabricated views of self and become real human beings. Do not give in to anger, the Buddha's words. Always speak the truth. Be generous. <clears throat> these are practice, these are practice, I'm sorry, these are praised by the noble ones. The disciple, harmless, well-restrained, abandons the living death of ignorance. Again, the Buddha refers to ignorance always as like a living death because when we're stuck in ignorance, we're not living our life. We're living a fabrication. It's like a living death. Confusion, delusion, and suffering cease. Always vigilant and well-focused, ever mindful of the goal, their defilements fade away. So again, we're not addressing anger as it arises even though we're interrupting it. We're addressing it at its root gaining understanding of Four Noble Truths. Once we understand ourselves within that framework of Four Noble Truths, no frustration or anger could arise because there's no more conflict left in our mind. We're at peace with this moment and we're at peace with ourselves in this moment. It's possible, folks. Ignorance is an ancient practice. I love this line. In the, in the <laughs> translation, I would, it was a little bit difficult until I realized what the Buddha was saying, and I can't remember what the word I was stuck on, but ancient is the point. Human beings have always been rooted in ignorance. It's an ancient practice. And using the word practice is interesting, isn't it? We have to practice to maintain ignorance. That doesn't mean we understand how we got into it. Most human beings don't realize the development of a conditioned mind. It's a practice. We have to work hard on it. But we can also work hard at eliminating ignorance with an eightfold path. Rooted in ignorance, they blame those who remain silent 
as well as those who talk too much and even those who speak with moderation. Look at the world today. The loudest voice, stuck in a certain view, screams at others to stop talking. Stop talking. Stop expressing yourself because I don't like it. You don't have a right to do that. The Buddha recognized that 2,600 years ago and how hateful and hurtful it was. Ignorance is an ancient practice. Rooted in ignorance, they blame those who remain silent as well as those who talk too much and even those who speak with moderation. So everybody gets blamed for everything. But we don't have to buy into it. I'm only referring to the world because it's what's occurring in the world. It's such a good teaching lesson. Look at how ignorance arises in the world on a mass basis. We don't have to buy into it. We can maintain a calm and conflict-conflict-free mind no matter who's screaming in the world today. Because someone's always screaming. For the ignorant, there is no one who is not blamed. For the ignorant, there is no one who is not blamed. So when you see people that are blaming a lot of people, you know where it's coming from. It's not got nothing to do with you. It's rooted in ignorance. For the ignorant, there is no one who is not blamed. There never was and there never will be a person who can be wholly blamed or wholly praised. Imagine that. An awakened human being was saying that about himself. But there are those who are praised by the wise who, observing others from right view, day after day, know them to be flawless in character, wise, virtuous, and knowing the Four Noble Truths. <coughs> These are as worthy of praise as a, as a coin of refined gold. They are praised everywhere. And we're still praising Siddhartha Gautama 2,600 years later and Saraputta and Moggallana and Ananda and each other. Always guard against angry speech. Many people, when I first start teaching them the Dhamma uh, and just start practicing it, focus on right speech. And when they're caught up or expressing wrong speech. Why? Because it's so obvious and it's always with us. If we want to know the quality of our mind in this moment, pay a little bit of attention to what you're saying, to others and to yourself, because that will always reveal the quality of your mind. And if it reveals something that you find less than skillful, don't judge yourself harshly. Simply recognize it and abandon it. And I would say at that point, do something good for yourself rather than beat, beat the hell out of yourself like most of us are do. We do because we're taught to do that. We're taught that if we want to change anything in ourselves, we first got to find out where we're wrong, where we're, what, what's missing, beat ourselves up for a couple of days or a couple of years or a whole lifetime, and then we can change. No. Recognize what no longer is skillful for you and simply abandon it what the Buddha is talking about. Always guard against angry speech. Always remain in control of speech. Again, it's another word that uh, the New Agey movement says we shouldn't even have in our vocabulary. Control, it's a bad word. It's limiting in some way. Yeah, it is. It limit, limits behavior rooted in <laughs> ignorance and allows us to live with a conflict-free mind. Always guard against angry speech. Always remain in control of speech. Abandon ver verbal misconduct and practice right speech. Simple. How do, we, how do we end anger? Abandon the speech that ferments it. Always guard against angry thoughts. Again, get rid of the thoughts. Always remain in control of thoughts. How do we do that? How do we, how do we gain control of our thoughts? Anyone? Through the breath. Through the breath, through jhana meditation. It's exactly that. That is the direct path, through the breath. Thank you. Abandon mental misconduct and practice right intention. Abandon mental misconduct and practice right intention. So it's within our minds. 
that we establish right intention. What is right intention? The, the intention, this, the right intention in this moment to recognize and abandon craving for and clinging to fabricated views. Right intention. The disciple, well concentrated, remains mindful and restrained in thought, word, and deed. They are well controlled and free of anger. So if we want to get free of anger, we become well controlled. How do we become well controlled? Through jhana meditation and the Eightfold Path. It's the, it's the simplest thing any human being can ever do. That's not to say that it's easy. Simple isn't always easy. It's simple in, in the, uh, it, because it's direct. And it's simple because we do it. Excuse me. I really don't have to rely on some esoteric or magical or mystical teaching or a teacher who doesn't speak English. This is, this is accessible for every human being. It's well taught, meaning it's taught at, an, at, a, at a way, in a way that is accessible for every human being, and every human being can develop this eightfold path. The only catch to this whole Dhamma is that as individuals we have to do it. It can't be given to us. It can't even be taught. You know, the, the experience of awakening can't be taught, can it? It can only be experienced. Good teachers and the, and the framework of the Dhamma itself can point us in the way. But we do the work. And when I finally realized that, after years and years of grasping after fabricated dharmas, th- that was the big um, light bulb moment for me. Because I was always a person who wanted to do it myself. Except I was always stuck in self-referential views, which led that to difficulties. Within the framework of the Dhamma, when practicing this Eightfold Path, I don't get caught up in those wrong views or self-referential views, because it's the essence of the Dhamma. And then I'm able to realize what I've been doing to myself all along. Confusing myself because of my own ignorance that leads to frustration. And I was born an angry kid. I like to say when I was born, a doctor doctor slapped me, I slapped him back. And that's how I lived my life. Up to us, really, I was just an angry... um, I was an angry kid, and I couldn't understand it even. Even even as a 13, 14, 15-year-old kid, always angry. But I had this... self-awareness to know that that probably wasn't a good way to live your life, but I couldn't get out of it. And to this, to this day, I couldn't give you a good reason why I was angry, because it wasn't external conditions at all. But I was, my mind was rooted in ignorance, and I couldn't figure it out. I, the, the things that the world was telling me were important, and the things that I should be looking forward to in my life didn't make any sense. But, but, but because I didn't have a perspective or a right view... It made me very frustrated and very angry. I knew that I was getting fed a lot of BS from the world, like we all are. I, mean, I, wasn't, I wasn't isolated, you know, treated worse than anybody. But I was aware that something's wrong here. Something's wrong. But I always blamed myself. It was, oh, and it was reaffirmed by other... When I started acting out, people would say, oh, you're a bad kid, you're this and that, and yeah, that has to change. And that was the best that other people can do, like we've all experienced. But it wasn't until I, act, I accepted responsibility for the quality of my mind in this moment, not 20 years before, and not afraid of something that I might become, but in this moment, to be able to be present with the anger and the frustration that I have and recognize where it was coming from out of my own ignorance, then I had the power to change, and that was the light bulb moment. I can do it myself. In fact, I have to do it myself. That's the essence of this, uh, it's the essence of the Dhamma, but certainly of this chapter. Anger is rooted in conceit, and I'm making conceit.
Thank you. Let's go around the room. Um, who was on first? I think it was Jeff. Jeff, good morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, anger seems to be such a uh, self-defeating strategy in life. Yeah. It it destroys your own uh, concentration and tranquility and almost always seems to be so counterproductive to any kind of uh, constructive communication. Always, yeah. Um, it, 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 it's, 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 uh, yeah, I guess that's all I can say about it. Is that, uh, there doesn't seem to be any possible good outcome to it for you or anybody else. Yeah. Never ever. There isn't, there's no, there, you know, there's that word justifiable anger. It's never there, justified. There's a, there's a temporary effect. You know, we're, we're addicted to getting some effect. Oh, even, yeah. Whether it's good or bad, we like to see some, something that gives us a sense of control. Yeah. And, and when you start that, and you, that it's a contagious kind of emotion that is, I, I guess I would liken it to an arsonist. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's throwing a, a firebomb into the middle of something where you you get to see something happening even if it's terrible yeah even if you don't really care about who or what it just has to be done yeah that, that and again i think you're what you're talking about too jeff is it get it, it this gets to the essence of the dhamma ending conflict in our mind you know and there it is it comes out in such horribly practical ways at times in our lives yeah, yeah and you're you're a terrible example yeah yeah and again, it, 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 as the Buddha teaches, it's it's a, a common aspect of being a human rooted in ignorance. You know, and in, in that way, there's no one to blame. In the world, we have to create structures for blame and and you know maybe isolating certain people that are really out of control. That but that's out of the Dhamma. This is an individual practice. What is the quality for my mind? And you're expressing yeah. that beautifully, Jeff. That it, it, it it's it's this quality, my quality of mind, that I need to control. And we can we can do that through this dharma. So, thank you, Jeff. Good morning, Brian. Morning, John. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. How you doing? Good. Um, as I read this the other day, uh, anger anger is a symptom, right? It's not a, a core feeling or emotion, and the core is yes. fear. Yes. And, and what is the fear that causes the anger? It's the fear of the impermanence, the fear of the change. And one of the reactions to that is, is anger. And to, to alleviate that fear or come to terms with that fear is, is knowledge, right? Knowledge of those four noble truths. Yeah. And getting that understanding that the propensity towards anger just, just fades. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I got out of, uh, out of this one. Well you. said. Thank you, Brian. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Um, I think the um, refinement of the, the words chosen, like mental misconduct, I think most people can acknowledge that anger is not effective or useful and is is causing pain to yourself and others. Um, but the 
refinement of the discussion um, in terms of mental misconduct. So taking into account, um, you know, your thoughts that are never even spoken can fall into that category and be hurtful to you and others. And just because words aren't spoken, silence can also, you know, be anger uh, toward others and toward your environment. Um, So it it does go back to that self-accountability that it may not be an outward expression of anger that we're talking about here. It's also the refinement of those, um, of that mental misconduct um, towards yourself or others, um, which, you know, it's just interesting. It's, those are words that when you hear them, you know, they um, should make us feel accountable on a deeper level to continuing the work, continuing the concentration, continuing the integration of this beyond the intellectual level to actually apply it in your life. Um, Not easy, but um, you can see the value um, of doing so. So thank you for your teaching, Jeff. Thank you, Mary. That was so well said too. That the you know recognizing the value of of this, uh, it, it really is everything, isn't it? To be able to control your mind. That that and again, it's not that we we never have that, uh, never have anger, but we know what to do with it now. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Good morning, John. Good morning, John. Good morning, everyone. Um. This one reminds me of an episode I had of real anger um, at someone work-related a number of years ago. And I realized back then, I I couldn't get it out of my mind. I was really PO'd. I was very mad. And I, uh, at the time, I went back to my therapist, who I had stopped seeing because I found the, the effort a bit uh, unfulfilling mm. and I looked to see why can't I get rid of this anger that I have I carried it for days I ruminated on it for days which is unusual this was but it was work related and I take work things far too seriously mm. <laughs> than I should because as I've learned things go away very quickly feelings and things do pass mm. very quickly and um, I didn't know that then or I didn't realize it then. All I realized I was very angry and I was letting it interfere with my day-to-day, just life, uh, over this issue. And uh, and I found no relief there. Uh, Time heals all wounds is an old saying, and I don't know if it did that, but I will say after starting to practice this the last number of months and and the like, I, I realized just how immature and a failing I had of using my own intellect and my own maturity to really handle the issue far better than I did. Uh, Fortunately, I don't suffer from anger issues like that. So that particular one stands out. Uh, But it certainly is, it's, it's, we tell ourselves stories and we like to think that we're always in the right. And if you take a step back, we're telling ourselves stories about everything. At least I do in my mind. Yeah, that, and I'm realizing now, wow, this is all just uh, 
not make believe. It's just it's just thoughts, and they don't mean anything, including anger, and just let it go. And um, I wish I'd known that four or five years ago. Yeah. And uh, that's that's what came to my mind this morning about this that particular moment in my life. Yeah, thank you, John. Yeah, I wish I'd had known it for many years ago too. But I'm really yeah. fortunate that I came across it and could actually do something about it. You know, about being an angry young man. You know, I don't have to be an angry old man because I was an angry young man. You know, I found a way out of it. So. Thank you, John. Tom, good morning. Good morning, John. Uh, thank you for this teaching, and I appreciate the comments. I'm going to observe the whole time. Okay, glad you're here this morning. Good morning, Dustin. Good morning. Um, I understand, like, um, paying attention to anger to root out ignorance, but isn't there a such thing as healthy anger? Like if you're in a situation that you can't control, that anger sometimes creates boundaries or helps you get out of like an abusive marriage or a home that's not healthy for you. Like, hmm. isn't there a way that anger does sometimes play a role that moves us forward and is is healthy? It's a great question, Dustin, and my answer is no. I, and I relate it right back to my marriage. I said things to this woman that I wish I'd never said to anybody. But I set him out of anger, and it motivated me towards the end of the marriage. But it wasn't, I, I could have easily, and with a common, peaceful mind, just recognized this is not a good situation for these two human beings, and le left it gracefully. I didn't need anger, uh, and anger did not serve me in getting out of that marriage. And I, w I would say there's no situation I've ever come across or seen that anger was helpful. It's enough to have a calm and peaceful mind in the right frame of reference to recognize Whatever the situation is, if it's a personal one, it's, it's simply, there's simply a conflict here, and it might be just between personalities, that's human beings, and so I gracefully leave. So to answer your question, uh, I don't think anger is ever useful. But I hope you find that satisfying and not disappointing. Well, I was a kid, and I lived in a house of alcoholics, and I needed to get out. Mm -hmm. And what got me out was anger. I left that situation, and I was a child, so I didn't, there's no way I could have understood a calm, peaceful way out of that situation. Yes. I had to leave or I was going to become as ignorant as they still are. The, what I would say, again, I understand what you're saying. And, uh, and I'll, I mean, I'll, and, and that, I can understand that anger got you out of it, but it wasn't, and again, how could a child know any different? I don't know. But what we're learning in the Dhamma is that anger is, is always hurtful. In some situations, it got you out, but it also left you in conflict. And we have to be careful about applying things in a way that they weren't really meant to be. You were a child, but you're not now. So if if it if it's if you see it as helpful that as a young child you used anger to get out of something that was awful, that's fine. Right now, is anger serving you, Dustin? Is no, that's it, the it, anger I'm still trying to let go of. Oh, well, um, I, I grew up with alcoholics. I am one. I did a lot of awful things that I never would have done if I wasn't drinking and drugging. And, so, and I also know those people around me that at the time I hated were actually living the best possible way they could, given what their circumstances are. And I know that they were rooted in ignorance now. Um, and so, again, I would say for years and years I harbored anger against people that should have been different, and I don't anymore. But I, I had to let go of the anger towards myself first, that I should have been different. Then I could let, let it go with other people. So I would say one of the 
reasons why you're here or why you may be fortunate to be here is that this will give you an opportunity to actually recognize where this comes from and, and to simply abandon it. Because it's never good to carry, I mean, I know you know this, it's not, never good to carry this stuff around. You know, there were, there were certain people in my family that I hated for something that, at the time, they had no control over, you know. As a kid, we don't see that, you know. We, all we see is people we want to be different that cause us harm, and it's hard to let go of that. But, and you probably can as a kid, but as an adult, we can. Yeah, that's like forgiveness, right? When you finally see from their point of view yes, that it, they couldn't help the way that they were. Yes. So but, that's the idea of like wanting them to be different. Well, Once they, you realize that ignorance, you can let that go. Yes, and, and forgiveness, forgiveness is, a, is, an, is the right word, but we have to apply it correctly. <laughs> forgiveness isn't a magnanimous attitude. Well, I recognize that you're just a butthole, but I'm going to let it go because of me. Yeah. Forgiveness is the absolute abandonment of any judgment that's how we forgive people by letting go of the judgment if we don't it is just a magnanimous expression it's rooted in bs i never understood the forgiveness the word yeah because it's usually applied that way yeah yeah i know i know you screwed me but i'll let it go that's not that's not forgiveness and it's not helpful but what you're getting at is recognizing the cause of other people's stuff that made me upset because of that understanding because of that knowledge then I can really abandon it. I can let it go because how could I judge someone who was as ignorant as me mm. and did the same things that I did? Or, or it doesn't have to be, I don't have to be an alcoholic to forgive alcoholics. I can understand aberrant behavior because I understand it in myself. And so like then, and only then, can I let it go, can I let it go in entirety and result, and the end result is a conflict-free mind. But it, it, it's not easy and, and you know, for the sake of argument, I would say, yeah, you're right. Anger got you out of that situation, so good. It, it's good that it did. As we mature, and who, I think it was John, but maybe not, who referenced maturity. That's the, that's the definition of an awakened human being, full human maturity. So we don't get angry. We don't, we don't do things that are hurtful towards ourselves or others. Children probably, or I've never met anybody 13, 14, 15, it was able to develop the Dhamma to this level, although we can start. So, Thank you for sharing all that. You know, And, and I think you'll find that the, the Dhamma is going to help you work through it like it's helped me. You know. Yeah, I've been carrying it my whole life, so this is the first time I'm starting to understand how to let it go without just the, you know, the, the word forgiveness, which yeah. never really made sense. So yeah. now I'm starting to un- unravel how it makes sense to have empathy and Compassion. Compassion. Yeah, true yeah, compassion, like, married with wisdom. And know? to see every day how I slip into ignorance every moment, you know, and how I can come out of it and how difficult it is to stay present. Yes. And think about what you just said now. So I'm, I'm taking it that this, this happened at least, 15, let's say, 15 years ago. I don't know how old you are, and I don't, I don't want to assume. But so for at least 15 years, your conditioned thinking have been creating the situation that no longer exists and hasn't for decades or 15 yeah. years or so. And yet the emotion is still there, isn't it, when you think about it? Yeah. The emotion itself is false. We, we want to give that credence. We want to say, well, because I'm feeling it now, it's based in reality now. And it's not. You have to practice keeping that emotion going. Because it's conditioned, you don't recognize the effort that you're putting into maintaining that anger. But now you can understand it, and now you can simply recognize it and abandon it. And I think you will. Yeah. 
this, and again, I'm not putting, there, therapy has done a lot for a lot of people, so I'm not putting down therapy, but this is the most effective therapy I've ever seen because it really gets to the root cause. It doesn't look to apply blame to others, to myself, or to worldly situations. If I'm angry, it's because I'm practicing anger. Even if I've been practicing it for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, even if I can justify it, even if the world would justify it. You know, one of the worst things we can ever say to someone is, oh, you poor dear. Mm. That, that really, I mean, sounds like the right thing to say in some situations. It's never right, oh, you poor dear. Being present with someone who's hurting and not giving them something to bounce off of is helpful. And you're getting it, Dustin. You're, you're right here. and you, That you're recognizing it is Dhamma practice. And it, it's remarkable to me, the more I, we talk about it. This is why we practice the Dhamma, isn't it? It's not to get someplace else that's better where you're free of the anger of your youth. It's to awaken right here, right now, and at whatever point we are in our life, whether we're 20, 30, or 66 or older, now is the time I can let go of all that crap and live in a conflict-free mind. We're all there now. They, they, Jen, you have to... Yes, yeah, um, so just <clears throat> in terms of sort of a kind of linear maturity process, when we're young and even, you know, in our young adulthood, um, anger is something that makes us feel safe, especially if we've been in abusive situations or difficult personal situations where we actually were not safe, like what you're explaining. Anger is something that helps us feel safe. And in some cases, in, in you know extreme dangerous situations makes us safe. So, and that can be really, really mentally damaging, as you, as you understand, as we all understand. This is the only practice I've ever come across that teaches us how to let go of anger and still feel safe. Teaches us that it's okay to let go of anger and still feel safe. So that's what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you, Dhamma teacher. The, the, uh, um... And that's the middle way. That's, yeah. that's the middle way. That's, that's how to be gentle with yourself from feeling the anger and knowing that, sorry, it's just, I've been there, man. <laughs> and this is what it feels like. For, to, let it go. To, to, to recognize that my anger served me and I can let it go now yeah. and, still feel, and still be safe. Thank you, Jane. And still be safe, yeah. Where's that? What's Jen referring to? The refuge of the Dhamma now, you know, not something fabricated, something that's real. Uh, and the, and despite whatever's happened in our lives, you know, the, 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 life is tough. The Buddha starts out by teaching us the first noble truth is life can be pretty crappy at times. There is dukkha. There is stress and suffering. You could say the next implied phrase might be, so get over it. Because it happens to everyone. And it does. Nobody gets through life unscathed, but we can, we can cling to the scathing stuff, can't we? Or we can let it go. Because of why we let it go? And it's not, again, it's not a magnanimous letting go. It's, we let it go because we understand. 
it's simply what occurs. Mm-hmm. Simply what occurs. And again, Jen touched on the key thing to all of this, for all of us, is to be very gentle with ourselves when we <clears> recognize <throat> these things. You know, because you could easily fall into beating yourself up for carrying something for so long. That's just recreating this moment. You know, to create, re- recreating an old conflict in this moment. Again, it takes a practice. Great class. Stuff we're getting to. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Adam. It's funny you use the word therapy. I'm finding this suits a very therapeutic. Yeah. Uh, and I especially wanted to thank you and Dustin for this discussion of um, anger and forgiveness and, you know, the sort of false comfort you might try and find forgiveness rather than, than letting go of the, the root cause of the anger. And I wanted to thank Jeff for kind of describing the self-gratification you get out of being angry and how that, that kind of underscores the first line of this is about anger being rooted in conceit. I thought that clarified it beautifully, so thank you to Jeff as well. Thank you, Adam. Again, this is, this is what a well-focused, well-informed sangha is, is capable of. You know, we, we, we support each other in the Dhamma. Really, was remarkable. We, we had our teachers' meetings. Uh, we have it about every six weeks, I think. Uh, and that's one of the things I was talking about. It's remarkable what has developed here, and the, the focus of each and every one of us in the sangha. I've never seen it anywhere. I've been around a lot of a lot of Buddhism for many years, and this really is unique and remarkable, as the Buddha teaches in the Anapanasati Sutta. Thank you. Good morning, Kevin. said. Thank you, Kevin. Good morning, Becky. Good morning. Boy, this really has gotten me.
does that mean that you're, you've abandoned the anger? Or does that mean, or do you have to go back to that person and be somehow Reconcile. reconciled even though you know the reconciliation will be fruitless or will be will not happen on the other side. You know that. Yeah, because you fine. understand you understand what that person is capable of. You understand that that person is not capable of, first of all, being, being the reconciler or really accepting in a real way, reconciliation. It's mm -hmm. its like deaf ears. Yeah. But should you seek re reconciliation anyway? Is that the question? <clears throat> I guess that's the question. And also, if you can't seek reconciliation yet or now, or are you fooling yourself that you've really, you have not abandoned right. the anger? Mm -hmm. Becky, this is such a deep and profound question. Uh, I'm going to answer it this way. What? I'm sorry for being... Uh, I'm not sorry. i got to laugh at it, so I'm not sorry. Um, it, again, it is such a deeply profound question. It, when we keep what we're doing in focus, this is for me that I'm doing it. This is the most selfish thing I can do. Of course, it leads to healing for everyone, including myself. But I'm ending, I'm seeking reconciliation because I want my mind to be conflict-free. Whether it is in another person is really none of my business because then I'm getting into salvation, aren't I? That I'm going to, it falls into that magnanimous, although somewhat subtle view that I'll be the reconciler, I'll be the peacemaker I'm not going to comment on something called the peacemaker. Maybe I will. But I'll be the peacemaker here. I'll be the big one. Well, you're, that's manipulative. Why? We want to bring conflict. We want to end conflict in situations because conflict sucks. It's not, if, if I'm in conflict with another person, even if it's obvious that their behavior is... Uh, if their behavior was different, I wouldn't be in conflict. It's because I want their conflict to be different that I'm in conflict. Am I making sense? So, if I judge someone harshly and I get into an argument and say something I shouldn't say to them, even though the world might say they deserve it because of their behavior, are we talking about the same thing, Becky? I, I can't not, see. Not quite. Well, not that last statement. I, I didn't get in, in an argument with this person. It's, it's their ongoing behavior? It's something, yeah. It's okay. their ongoing behavior and, and then something that they did. Yes. That was really mean and hurtful. And the only part of that that you're responsible for is your own thoughts and feelings about that related to yourself and the other person. That's what we forgive as well. It, we, again, we're not... And it, it relates to what Dustin was saying. We learn the ability, we gain the ability 
to distinguish between approval and acceptance. And this is such a good example of it, and so was Dustin's. Of course, we don't approve of other people's behavior, even their ongoing behavior. We don't have to. It's not our purview. If I think I need to approve of you, again, I'm your God. I, I, some, somehow I think I have ownership over you. But I can accept it because I understand the nature of human misbehavior is rooted in ignorance. And so in that moment, I can forgive that person. And sometimes it, reconciliation is a, is a wise thing to seek. Sometimes it's not. And I'll give you an example. In the, in the program I use to initially establish sobriety in the world, Alcoholics Anonymous, actually the 12 steps, not AA meetings because they don't work. They're misleading. They're hurtful. The 12 steps still work. And there's an aspect of the 12 steps called the 9 steps, and that's where you seek forgiveness. But it's, it has to be done in the right way to be useful to that person, meaning the person mm-hmm. seeking recovery. And what it is is simply an acknowledgement of my poor behavior in expressing that, leaving out what other, what other people might have done or what we think they might have done. Because the only thing I'm trying to do in that moment is free myself from another conditioned way of thinking that keeps me addicted to drugs. But we're addicted to the same thing, aren't we? We're addicted to, to constant conflict. So in this moment, what you need to do, what we all need to do, is to let go of the judgment of ourselves and others and live in peace. Learn to let other people be as they are. Now, if other people are hurtful towards us, or they're in a direct or even an indirect way, we make a mindful decision to leave. And that's always appropriate as well. But it's done within the framework of the Eightfold Path. It's done without anger and judgment. Um, It's done because of recognition in this moment that this no longer serves these two people or this situation no longer serves me in the framework of the Eightfold Path. And then we leave it in peace. So how's that for an answer? Perfect. Thank you, John. Yeah, did it again. (laughs) Again, it was such a profound question because we're so caught up in the blame game. We all, all of us are. And again, look what's playing out in the world. But it's what, it's the one thing that keeps conflict alive, isn't it? The the need, my need, or the, the fabricated need to blame you or someone else for the way I feel. It's impossible to make someone feel anything. I can only feel what I choose to feel. And I'm in complete control of it, by the way. We all are. Well, at least now I am. With a well-concentrated mind. It's up to me to decide, to decide how I'm going to feel in this moment. Am I, do I want to get into, into fear and all the things that manifest out of that? <clears throat> hatred and anger and loss? Do I want to be stuck in a fabrication about myself that there's something wrong with me or that person wouldn't be acting like that? No. I feel the way I feel because of the way I think and the way I think about myself and the world I live in. And I found a way to change that, to go from a fabricated way to stop being mad at the doctor to whack my bottom to get me going in this life and be a human being, be an awakened, fully mature human being. Thank you, Becky. You really got to it. Nina, good morning. Good morning. Um, I wrote down anger equals fear, and then furthermore, in fear, I get really defensive, and then I want to like defend myself and my points and my yeah. decisions, and um, that creates a need for control, 
of the situation. Yes. Of yeah. other, other people's thoughts or how things are going to go or um, being misunderstood. Yeah. But I think um, through this you learn to control your, your thoughts. Yeah. And then the control of your own thoughts sort of dissolves the defenses you put up. Yeah. Because you don't feel like you need to defend yourself. Yes. Because you're in control of yourself. Yeah. And then you're not caught up in that, that one hurtful thought leading to another hurtful thought. And then you get, again, you get caught up in and the And also, like, you're an island. Yeah. So like, and you can't control other people's islands. You, you can't. Have you heard me or any of us teach the Loka Sutta yet? I don't. What is that? Well, the, the, the key line is, it, is the, it's, it's what the Buddha thought his impressions of the world just after he awakened. And he said, the world is a flame, a flame with what? A flame with the fires of passion. Yeah. And then the rest of the sutta teaches us that that's all rooted in fear. Yeah. And where is fear rooted in? Something's going to happen to me that I don't want to happen. And it's usually, that thought is usually conditioned by something that already did happen to you that you wish didn't happen. You're just caught up in that fabrication, that feedback loop. And Nina, you expressed it beautifully. It's, we're just living in a fantasy at that point. Conditioned thinking in a reactive mind. Rather than using jhana and the Eightfold Path to end all of that. To recognize it, let it go as Dustin is going through right now. I mean, this is, the, this is immediate Dhamma practice. Right now. This is where it's practiced. And as the, as the feeling, as the emotion comes up, you recognize, yeah, this is rooted in fear and gain control of your mind. So uh, you've gained a lot of control over your mind, haven't you? I have, and you know, I, um, I was in therapy, and it was weekly, and then it was bi-weekly, and mm-hmm. now it's every three weeks. But something that goes along nicely with this is my therapist is having me feel feelings um, instead of in my head, but in my body. Mm-hmm. And then, so this just goes hand in hand with Yeah, that. that's great. Yeah. yeah. Good for you. Thank you, Nina. Thank you. Dhamma teacher Ron. <clears throat> Thank you, John. Um, uh, just a terrific teaching, uh, and and um, what's coming out of the sangha is just uh, amazing. Um, and it, it brought up a, a couple of thoughts in me. Um, <clears throat> years ago, I had I, I was friends with someone. Um, who kind of suddenly turned around and, and treated me really badly. Um, and just like the others, I, I, you know, I got angry. And, <clears throat> and I carried that anger for weeks and months um, yeah. until I realized um, that there, there was this huge amount of conceit involved there. Um, and, and I was, you know, I got angry about being angry because yeah. I thought that I wasn't angry anymore. Yeah. You know, I had surpassed all that stuff. Were you angry at yourself or still at the person? Uh, I, well, now both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I was the great meditator. So what the hell, you know, am I being, you know, who, I, who, how does he dare making me angry? You know, all that stuff went on. 
and uh, you know, it, it, finally I got a hold of, of this this nonsense and I realized <laughs> that I owe this guy a, a great deal of gratitude because he showed me, you know, the the, uh, the stupid conceit that was still yeah. going on. Um, so you know, anger um, can can uh, because it's so so intense. Mm -hmm. um, it can really wake you up. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I wanted to say is that I'm I'm so grateful for for this discussion because, you know, <clears throat> one of my family members is continuously angry. Every expression that comes from them is anger. There is just almost no other way for them to to. To exist, to yeah, it's um, and the world is reaffirming of that too. Right yeah, mm -hmm. oh yeah, yeah. Every time it, something happens, is oh yeah. my god, you know, how dare they? How could they? Um, but the, the what was said here about um, that anger gives you a certain amount of control. It gives you this illusion of control. In your life, um, oh. because I've been struggling with with how to um, how to deal with that. Not so much, you know. My my reaction is is also there, and I, I need to deal with that. But what what to what to say to um, to to bring some clarity for that person? Um, and um, this has been really helpful. Thank you all. Well said. Thank you, Ron. <coughs> Dharma teacher Jen. Hi. Yeah, basically, Ron sort of took the words out of my mouth because I was thinking about how anger is just physiologically, you know, sensations arising in the body that are pretty intense. And, um, you know, that fight or flight response sensation feeling can be can feel powerful um, and be addictive yeah. and but also in the context of the Dhamma is kind of the first like personally for me the first sensation that I was able to recognize as arising in the body and mm. and to see how that that physiology was something that gave form you know mental form to um anatta and gave Anatta something to kind of grab onto and, and, and exist in, and to see how that physiology can also infiltrate the framework of your mind and animate it. And really, on a kind of a strangely subtle level really start to see how the mind works, how the body works, how 
dependent origination works and how just because it becomes animated and obvious when anger is present. Yeah. It's that, that key, key moment, isn't it? Mm. Thank you. What's Thank you, Jane. Oh, oh, ego, um, eye making, the five clinging aggregates. Anatta is is means the not self characteristic. It simply means that what we think of ourselves is not the self. It's not a self. It's anatta. Good question. Dharma teacher David. So the strategy of anger versus the strategy of wisdom, understanding. That's the choice you have. You have a choice to succumb to. This moment in your mind, the, these, I think I used this once, the microaggressions mm-hmm. that are continually like happening in your mind, just your thoughts, may not come out in your verbal, in your speech. Mm-hmm. The strategy as a child to be angry and to be this aggression, it's a bad strategy. It's, mm-hmm hurtful, harmful strategy. And the wisdom that this provides, it provides you that space, that moment mm-hmm. where at that point of contact, it allows you to show some restraint. And uh, now this is why I come here every week. I, I come here to listen to people's stories and people's experiences. And uh, this is good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, David. Um, so this this really is getting at a at a, a root of human behavior, a point of uh, as Jen said, a point of reference to something's wrong. There's something's wrong inside of us. And what this does when we stay in it too long is it clouds every other um, pleasant experience in life because we're stuck in that struggle. We're struck in what we're angry or what are we frustrated with? That's all we tend to see. And then the world comes up with systems to reaffirm that, as Ram was saying. And collectively, um, we are stuck in that view that the world and our country is, is horribly broken. Uh, we've taken a view that, that an entire class of people, because of the color of their skin, are just inadequate. And there's another class of people, because of the color of their skin, exploit that ina- inadequacy. And it's just wrong. But that's all that we can see now because that's all we focus on in general because of the loud voices that are, that are drowning out the quiet ones or the people that are remaining silent. And what we've, what we've developed, and this is cyclical, this is, we've done this at other times in our history, human history, we're in a position in time where we can only see the bad and the rotten. And because of an extreme messianic view, we think that we have to address that before there can ever be any peace or happiness. And what we're missing is the incredible beauty and good that's in the world. Because it's still there. And it's always been there. Despite what the, whatever the predominant mentality might be or be called, it's always been there. The world has always been difficult and it's always been wonderful. It's always been dangerous and it's always been beautiful. At the same time. What am I going to look at? What am I going to focus on? Am I going to focus on my badness and the inadequacies of others? Or am I going to say bullshit? 
I'm a human being having a human life, and I want it to be conflict-free in this moment. That's the end of this class. Um, we'll continue. Thank you. It really is remarkable what's developing in this sangha. And Thank you all. Ram is a big part of it. I'll see you Tuesday. Um, we'll finish, as we always do, with Metta. See, I just got something that's very frustrating. I just got a message. My giant driver is going to arrive with my groceries. How could they not know I'm not there? We have a bridge now. What's that? You have a bridge where you can put the bags. I do. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be there. He'll realize I'm not there. The Buddha's words on Metta from the Karaniya Metta Sutta. This is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud or demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. May all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding, by not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you all for really an outstanding class this morning. Peace. Thank you for listening. I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.